0: Welcome to From the Files. We reach into our archives to recap, rewind, and remember headlines from the past 65 years of KUAM. In this episode, we're digging into our files, taking a look back at the Korean Air Flight 801 crash on Guam on August 6, 1997. Guam woke up to find itself in the midst of one of the worst air tragedies in US history. The KUAM news team gathered stories on the one year anniversary in 1998. In this old news report, we hear from families, survivors, and rescuers.
1: But no matter how many years go by, there is one image that will always remain that is the grieving of relatives and friends of passengers who did not make it out alive. Tonight, we speak with those people who can never and will never forget. You don't have to read blaring headlines or watch TV reports to understand the true magnitude of the Korean Airlines crash. All one has to do is look into the eyes of mothers, fathers, even sisters and brothers who lost a family member, people who can never be brought back.
2: We are sure, we are absolutely
3: sure that there are no additional survivors outside of the crash site.
4: The memorial we dedicate today embodies many human and universal truths.
1: Exactly one year later, old wounds are being ripped open once again. 229 people died on August 6, while the lives of 25 others were spared. Guam resident Barry Small is one of those lucky few. This is how he looked after rescuers found him outside the wreckage, badly burnt, and still reeling from the impact. He describes what happened just before the accident.
2: Now Everything seemed totally normal to me. Um, the airplane was just in a state of flying, and we are all um, ready to go you know, for finals to land. But the landing just came a bit earlier.
1: Small has undergone numerous operations for burns to his arms, and many more are needed. However, there is another type of pain, this one inside his head. Why did he live while so many others died?
2: Well, I was just trying to come back and make sense of the whole Thank so thing. It, um,
0: Thank you
2: very much for your patience. Pay respects to the people You're that have easy. went And, um, yeah, just sort of to try and ease my guilt a bit.
1: While Small deals with his grief quietly, relatives of victims insist on being heard. This man represents the families of those who died he shouts, this accident never should have happened. Jin Shim feels the same way.
3: My eldest brother, we lost, and we cannot recuperate his body even.
1: The suffering of Shim and those who must relive that day can be seen everywhere. But for those who blame the airline for the disaster, they claim it isn't doing enough to help victims and their families.
3: We, we offer the, uh, the families to give them about 200, 200,000 dollars per each passenger, and some of the about 98 families agreed. According to Shim, he claims that's not the case. Uh, Carl, our
1: feeling against the Korean airline has not been great. And for last whole year, they has not been treating very well and there was no compensation whatsoever. Even if there was compensation, it may not be enough to erase the memories of that terrible day. Just as Small, who must live with the knowledge that somehow, for whatever reason, he survived. Uh, this is one of the reasons I'm coming here, to.
2: I could imagine families saying, "Why you and why their families?" I'm told it's normal, but <clears throat> we just got to wait for that to go away.
1: And for those who lost someone, the pain is just as real and perhaps just as lasting.
0: In this next report from then intern Grace Kayanon Brown. She spoke with local authorities and the organizations that built a memorial monument after the tragedy.
5: Governor Kaga Teras pledged to work closely with the Korean Association of Guam, the community at large, and many others in constructing a monument paying homage to those on board and their families. The slopes of Nimitz Hill will always be remembered as the unfortunate landing site of Korean Air Flight 801. But just yards away from the actual crash is a monument representing 229 lives lost and 25 lives spared. Director of Bureau of Planning, Clifford Guzman.
3: It was basically in the height of this, uh, when 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 there was a lot of emotions going on, um, the governor felt that it was that it was an appropriate thing to do was to offer the opportunity to do this. The Korean Association immediately jumped on the bandwagon with him, and together they formed a plan, and uh, and this is the result.
5: Inscribed with the names of all on board, two poems and a brief description of what happened, also three urns containing the remains of identified victims, sit inside this marble-faced obelisk. While the idea of the monument came only days after the fatal crash, it was only in May when ground was broken for this 24-foot structure.
3: This is a, it was an unfortunate thing, and, and it serves also as a reminder to all of us that how, how fragile life is. And that, that um, you know, we, it, it's also a reminder of, of our ability to be able to pull together and help others. And I think that's one of the best lessons that we could ever learn.
5: With the help of various private agencies and others, including $100,000 from the Korean Association of Guam and $75,000 from the Guam Visitors Bureau, that funding was made available for construction of the monument. Yesterday, just one day short of the first anniversary, more than 350 family members attended the memorial dedication ceremony. FAMILIES AND FRIENDS REMEMBERING LOVED ONES ABOARD KEL FLIGHT 801. ACTING GOVERNOR MADELINE Berdaglio SAYS THIS MONUMENT ACKNOWLEDGES acknowledges THE PAIN, SORROW sorrow, AND GRIEF grief CAUSED BY A SINGLE CRASH AND WHAT IS SAID TO BE THE THIRD WORST AIRPLANE ACCIDENT ON AMERICAN SOIL.
3: Well, it was a too big tragedy for him to please himself to see the memorial service. It, is, it can be a solace for him to please his son's soul.
5: While majority flew in from Korea for this event, some flying in from as far as California. Mina Park had 11 relatives aboard Flight 801, and ironically, 14 years ago, she lost her husband in the Soviet shooting of Korean Air Flight 007. Local resident Young Ju lost his 23-year-old sister high. and his one-year-old niece.
3: First, first like couple months, it was kind of hard, but you know, they're just coping.
6: They're fine.
5: Among those who survived, New Zealander Barry Small. He says attending their ceremony was an emotional one for him as well.
6: I feel very privileged,
5: but very, very guilty. <laughs> I've
7: got a fear of.
5: Being resented for being one of the survivors. I haven't seen that happen, but I just said
2: something in my own heart, yeah.
5: Many others express their grief, some looking out into the hillside where the airplane landed, trying to get a glimpse of what actually happened, and others holding on to the memorial symbolizing the death of their loved one.
4: We leave you tonight with the names of the people who died in the fatal crash of Korean Airline Flight 801. From all of us here at KUAM, good night.
0: In this next report, Catherine Cruz Norton reports on the people on the front line.
4: The wake-up call came before the first sign of daylight, a call they prepared for, but prayed would never come. Everyone was alerted. Gov Guam officials, the Guam police, the Guam fire department, the Coast Guard, and all military authorities. Hundreds of people were on board KAL Flight 801 when it went down, and now it was up to the rescue team to get as many people out of the crash site alive. As you can imagine, there was no time to spare. And now a year later, rescue workers still get tears in their eyes, and they're not able to talk about it without choking up. Now we hear from some of those unsung heroes, many who risk their own lives to save others. And despite the fact that a year has gone by they say the memories of the crash are as clear as day an incident rare for the island and definitely not one that fire chief chuck sanchez has ever seen
8: i arrived there about 0 uh, 200 that morning
4: it was dark and all that was visible to these rescue workers was a cloud of thick black smoke and fiery flames from a distance but Sanchez says it wasn't what they saw, instead what they heard that made all the difference.
8: So before we even started entering into the, um, this uh, heavy vegetated area, uh, we could hear people yelling for help, crying for help.
4: As soon as they got closer to the site, they knew what an unnerving job lay ahead.
8: My first uh, thinking was, my God, how am I going to reach these people? How am I going to help them with the resource I got? How am I going to get resource down this hill?
4: Communicating only through two-way radios, GFD rescue teams split up. Their mission? To save as many lives as possible. And if they couldn't do that, they were to recover as many bodies. Captain Sal Monteverdi remembers those early morning hours as if it were just yesterday.
2: Did. We pulled uh, several people out, put them up in the safe zone. And uh, as we were doing that, There were several explosions that were
6: occurring.
4: Risking their own lives to respond to the desperate pleas for help, Monteverdi recalls a conversation with a woman who had been pinned underneath a portion of the plane for hours. He says it took the jaws of life to rescue a mother and daughter.
2: She wanted reassurance of getting out of that wreckage. She was pinned in there with her daughter and all she wanted was reassurance.
4: What did you say to her?
2: I said, ma'am, we're doing the best, what we're doing right now, and we'll get you out.
4: And she, in fact, did get out, she yes, survived?
8: she survived with her daughter.
4: For the team, it was also a big battle with the elements.
8: We were faced with all kinds of uh, problems, from uh, swordgrass grass to all kinds of vegetation, raining.
4: The unsung heroes, the men and women who were on the front lines, listening and sometimes trying helplessly to respond to desperate cries for help. While victims of the crash waited for help, Monteverdi says he heard people begging to be shot, to be put out of their agony and pain. Now, a year later, Chief Sanchez still speaks about the crash, with tears in his eyes. How clear is the crash site in your mind right now?
8: (sighs) It's, um, I don't know, it's hard to explain. It's nice to see there's the monument there, but the uh, site itself that morning, it's hard to erase in my mind.
3: It's very hard.
4: Putting it behind him, he says, will be close to impossible think back on that day tell me what your thoughts are today and what you remember most about that crash
2: each time i go down the road and i whenever i see that beacon up there it just brings back that flashback of that morning back in august Mm 6 and i'll never forget it
4: for naval hospital dr bruce cairns recalling the events of last year's crash struck an emotional chord as well
6: i'll never forget that time um i was uh at my home and uh, actually working on something when my good friend and colleague, uh, Dr. Wittergren, John Wittergren, called me and, and told me there was a plane crash. And he said, uh, I'm not kidding, this is for real. And of course we got up and, and came in right away and it, and it was sort of a surreal atmosphere at the hospital. I live right down the road on the grounds and already there were people buzzing around and uh, you could just feel the energy in the air.
4: Cairns was stationed at the Naval Hospital performing triage.
6: The overwhelming uh, emotion I have is is just disbelief that such a tragedy could occur.
4: But it did occur, and mental health counselor Susan Dugan lent her support on the Hill, talking to the men and women who became directly involved in the tragic scene that a lot of them were just sitting there in a daze. Uh, some of them appeared that like they were in shock. They couldn't believe um, walking around like kind of like in a, in a zombie state. While Chief Sanchez, Captain Monteverdi, Dr. Cairns and mental health social worker Dugan are just a few of the many who scaled Nimitz Hill and tore through the jungles or lent their help and support during this grave tragedy. There are hundreds of others whose tireless efforts saved lives and guided others through the emotional trauma. And just as they won't forget the events of that tragic morning, so too will they never be forgotten
6: and i think back on on the efforts of everyone involved in the in the rescue and then the care of the patients and then all of the other unseen but very important aspects the identification and the recovery and You're very proud to be part of an organization and to be prepared to deal with these kinds of problems.
4: We basically were the emotional support for a lot of the families that came and were bussed over there. And to this day, whenever I see a carnation or a rose, it brings back memories Off, off those two days because that's what we gave the families to throw over to the hill. A year has passed, and with that, rescuers are hoping that time will heal all emotional wounds. And although the healing process has begun, it's hard to say just how long it will last.
0: In our final report on this episode of From the Files, Sabrina Salas-Matanani reports on the lessons learned from the tragedy.
7: But in the wake of this tragedy, there is so much we as a community, as well as the nation, have learned.
2: We learn something from every accident. Uh, it's, it's our business of trying to make something good from something bad. The, the bad is the accident, and the good is what we learn from it. Uh, so uh, we've there's never been an accident we didn't learn something from.
7: As for our local officials, they learned something as well. On that fateful morning, split second decisions were made. Most of our heroes were running on adrenaline. They even put their safety aside to help others. But a year later, it's given our leaders a time to reflect, admitting there were some problems during the search and recovery efforts, but maintaining they did their job, and that was to save lives.
3: We do have some concerns about communications. There are so many different agencies involved in this effort.
2: Uh, Naturally, they're all transmitting on different radio frequencies. Well, because this was a joint effort, we felt that 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 was a hindrance in the operation
7: civil defense also admits that communications has always been a problem but as a result of the korean air crash they're taking steps to prevent the confusion in the future it comes in the form of consolidation the agency's acting director ben rages
2: we would have 911 uh, fire dispatch uh, guam police's uh, tactical operations center and uh, civil defense communications all under one roof.
7: But aside from communications, there was also confusion at the site as to who was in charge. With the search and recovery efforts bringing together so many different government agencies as well as the military, with each having their own ways of responding to an emergency, apparently there is a need for a unified response plan.
3: It needs to be done, it needs to be
2: established all in the same manner. It needs to be standardized. But one of the things that, uh, that we are uh, in the process of uh, of, of implementing is an incident command structure as far as the government of Guam.
7: Now remember that civil defense logbook that never existed? Well, under an incident command structure, Rages says that will not happen again.
2: The incident commander um, would, would have access, or would have that, would, would have that, uh, that responsibility delineated to the information officer because he would have an information officer, he would have a liaison officer, and he would have a safety officer right at his side.
7: Another lesson learned in the wake of this tragedy, a memorandum of understanding is being drafted between the government of Guam and the military.
2: With an MOU such as this, it wouldn't matter whose uh, property or or jurisdiction it it would be. Um, if, if, uh, If the Air Force, were to need the assistance from governor with an MOU in place, all they would have to do was make a phone call and that request would be taken care of.
7: Meanwhile, as the news hit our nation's capital, Congressman Congressman Robert Underwood Underwood immediately contacted the National Transportation Safety Board. It was then he learned the problems relatives of the victims were experiencing.
8: Right from the beginning, there was not a lot of uh, clear uh, advice
6: given to the families.
7: Months later, legislation is drafted and passed into federal law. The Foreign Air Carrier Family Support Act requires all foreign air carriers that land on U.S. soil to submit to the NTSB and the Department of Transportation a plan that addresses the needs of families involved in aircraft accidents.
2: Uh, it's an unfortunate circumstance, but I guess arising out of this, um, uh, good, things, uh, uh, good procedures can be
8: developed.
7: Such a plan is being developed by Korean Air. In the wake of the jumbo jet disaster, the company is developing a family support plan. But its top priority is safety. Since the crash, the airline has hired the Flight Safety Foundation to examine every corner of the company.
3: Like a a flight operation and maintenance and the the company structure and everything.
7: Moochol Shin is Korean Air's Assistant General Manager for Public
3: Relations. After the accidents, we Korean Airlines are doing uh, many kind of things to 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 promote the uh, the the standard of uh, safety. And we are like uh, as I mentioned before, we are introducing uh, very new technology, uh, updated. I mean, software. Introducing uh, sophisticated technology and the uh, the uh, put more emphasis safety while we train the, uh, the cockpit crew and cabin crews, uh, we are trying our best to to enhance the safety and for the convenience of the passengers.
7: It's a tragedy that unfortunately happened here at home, but if there is one thing we all can learn from this, is that we all share a common bond, the kindness and the generosity of the human spirit.
0: You're listening to KUAM's From the Files. I'm Tomas Maglonia. Stay tuned for more episodes from our KUAM Podcast Network.